Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today on our show, we've got two amazing guests. They are the co-authors of the book, Conversations Worth Having. They are known for their promoting practices and principles of appreciative inquiry to strengthen relationships, build effective teams, and generate possibilities for a future that works for everyone. Welcome to the show, Sherry Torres and Jackie Staros. How are you two doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Now, let's just hit it off right away here. What are your views on basically the world of ineffective communication? How big of a problem <laughs> is communication between people out there? Ooh, um, I'll, I'll jump in, Jackie. We don't usually, t we don't usually spend much time focusing on um, the negatives of the conversations that are out there. Um, and I think, uh, we're having a tough time right now, I think, because people are ready to just like react to one another. Um, right. And when we react to one another, our conversations just don't go in the best of ways most of the time. And often um, they polarize each other. Uh, and it's so easily changed, but, um, and again, that's all, as you know, that's the brain at work when it's, right. when it's ready to count, when it's, when it's in fight or flight, we're always defending ourselves instead of connecting. Yeah, I would add in, um, I'm thinking back to most of your listeners may be familiar with LinkedIn and the CEO of LinkedIn, Tom Weiner said, um, organizations need three things in their leaders or in their employees today. They want them to communicate, work in teams and lead. And he said, communication is the most important if you're going to work in teams and lead and that the boot camp of the future is one that teaches you how to have a conversation. He said that like the night um, before I had to make a big presentation on conversations worth having. Um, and that quote has stuck with me. I, I love it. Um, a lot of people, though, they feel like most of the conversations they're having just probably are are just not worth having. That they're kind of walking <laughs> one conversation to the other, and and it's like pointless small talk. It's yes. it's rambling on about the same things. Uh, so, how is this different than what you would say is already out there in the world? And and how people are communicating in business and relationships or just with their neighbors. You want to jump on that first, Jackie? Yeah. How is this different? Um, I would say that um, it, it offers the importance of, of tuning in. And, and if, if you drew a straight line, tuning in to yourself, are you above this line or below this line? And you can actually control it. Um, and, Tuning into us means the pausing, just pausing and asking yourself, where am I? Am I above or below the line? And if you pause and you take a deep breath, it's already resetting your, your, your brain, your mindset here, and you are getting really curious. And so just the tuning in and 
knowing where you're at impacts the body mindset. And then we offer two simple practices, the key is practices that go with it. Okay, let me add to that also that um, I think everybody has experienced what we call a conversation worth having. It's that kind of conversation when you're highly engaged, you're really connected to the other person, ideas are flowing, people are asking questions. Typically you're focused on something you're looking forward to or you want. And we all know how that feels in our body. Um, and we know what our nervous system feels like. And we call that a conversation worth having. And if we could have all of our conversations feel like that, even the ones where we're trying to address either a critical situation or we're trying to give important feedback to someone um, or, or we're talking about an idea where we don't agree, we can still have a conversation worth having. And I think what happens too often is what Jackie was talking about in terms of that line. When you're below the line, you're, you're reacting instead of responding. Um, and so uh, the body is the, is the best indicator of the kind of conversation you're having. And when you're in one that your body is saying, then stop, pause, do the thing that Jackie said, you know, tune in, pause, what's happening here? What kind of conversation right. do I want to have? And then be intentional. I love it. So basically what you're doing is you're focusing on the way you would love the conversation to go instead of on all the junk that could go wrong in things and yes. really flip that mindset around. Um, but a big chunk of this seems to be how you're feeling in that present moment before you talk to somebody or as you're doing it. So yes. kind of just walk us through some of these ways that people can kind of be in tune with themselves, though, and make that state change quickly for that conversation. And and uh, how does how, how what does that look like? Um, I, I think one of the one of the best ways to learn to do that is to practice what we call do overs. Um, and so instead instead of trying to, to make yourself catch yourself at the beginning of every conversation, which can be very hard to do if, if you have a habit of like jumping in with both feet like I do. Um, and a do-over is taking a past conversation, one that you've had before um, that was not a conversation worth having and just taking a look at it and saying, okay, here's this conversation I had what were the facts just the facts not what i thought the person meant not what just what were the facts for example we we often use an example that's pretty simple that um you know you're walking down the hallway at work you pass a colleague you say hi and they totally ignore you and now you're making up a story about how rude sam is and you've never liked sam anyway and He's just all about himself. And, and the next time you see Sam, you are ready to pounce. Um, so if you do that conversation over, you slow it down and you say, well, what are the facts? We were both walking down the hall. We passed each other. I said, hi, Sam kept walking. Those are the only facts, right. nothing more. So then to look at what's the story I made up. Oh, well, the story I made up was 
Sam was being a rude jerk. And then to say, so what are some other possible stories? Like widen the screen. What else might've been going on? Well, actually he also looked like he was deeply involved in thinking. So I don't know whether something was wrong or whether he was, I don't know where he was going. He might've, and now you're starting to make up, ah, you know what? I didn't pay attention, but he had earbuds in. I wonder if he even heard me. Now you're starting to like widen the screen and slow everything down. And if you practice that often enough, the brain stops jumping to a made up story. It might have its first reaction, but you've started to train the, the amygdala go to go, what else? What, what's another possible <laughs> story? And then instead of answering that yourself, ask questions. Hey, Sam, what was going on for the other, you know, the other day we passed each other. And now instead of making up the story, you're actually being genuinely engaged and connected to the other person. And the more you practice that, the more it happens in the moment with people. And and what Sherry was explaining is, is what generative questions are. So after you 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 tune in, you're asking questions that um, surface assumptions, makes the invisible visible, questions that can build trust questions that could get new knowledge. So generative questions, you don't have the answer to. They're, they're kind of what and how questions um, that you ask of yourself. Maybe you have a conversation with, with Sam about, you know, about what's going on. Hmm. Fascinating. Now, both of you have been uh, working together for, for quite some quite some time to hammer out a book and to put on different presentations and lectures. So what was the first walk by moment between you two that built this business relationship? Did you two click or was it that uh, Sam was uh, had aloof and had had earbuds in? <laughs> what occurred? <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll tell my perception and perspective, and then Sherry can um, tell you her perspective. Um, so Sherry and I both are we're in different fields, but we we were studying and practicing something called appreciative inquiry. And if you Google appreciative inquiry, you'd get millions of hits in a quarter of a second. So think of appreciative inquiry is how do you learn the best of what is, what's possible, what what could be. It's the best of what's going on. And it was in November of, I think it was 2021, like right after 9-11, mm -hmm. we were at oh, this wow. meeting in Maryland, the Washington, D.C. area. And I wanted to meet somebody who really wanted to understand how we could take appreciative inquiry and bring it into everyday life. You know, not big summits and big change methods, but how could we use this to bring into everyday life? And so when Sherry and I first met, you know, we did a book called Dynamic Relationships, Unleashing the Power of Appreciative Inquiry and Daily Living. And, you know, we thought we had it then and we focused on these um, principles and we were going to do a second edition of the book. Fast forward, it was 2011 and we got back together and we went to our publisher, put a proposal because we thought we were going to do dynamic relations too. And he said, there's something else here. And it took some time with our publisher, just had us go back and forth. And it dawned on us, it's our conversations. 
you can't have a dynamic relationship. It's all about the conversations. Would it take us 25 years to figure that out? Um, <laughs> but it just dawned on us and that what you're doing with the neuroscience and the brain and how it impacts us, boy, that just unleashed our lives um, into how do we bring conversations? It's the heart of how we interact with ourselves and with others. Yeah. So I haven't left her since. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, yes. <laughs> and what about for, for yourself, Sherry? It's, it's very similar. I think we had a, a colleague in common, uh, Marge Schiller, who knew that Jackie was interested in writing on appreciative inquiry in your daily life. And she knew I was interested. And so when we were at this conference, I remember exactly where we were. We were sitting in Marge's hotel bedroom on her bed when she introduced us and both of us were like, let's write a book together. And we had just met each other. So it's, um, <laughs> it's been a, a long journey. And, and I honestly think that the, the, the book conversations worth having, um, I didn't know what we had until it had been published. We resisted the title. Two times, yeah. We wanted something, um, you know, we wanted something clever. And, but every time, every time the, the publisher did a survey out there to find out which, what title people liked, it came back and he said, you can choose whatever you want to, but the, this is clearly something people want because the ratings are off the charts. I've never seen numbers this high for that's the title. And I was working with a client about three months after the book was published and in the middle of the, the work with them, I, I suddenly had like this full body. I had it cognitively, but I didn't have it full body. Suddenly this, oh my God, everything is conversation, everything. And we're in conversation almost 100% of the time, either with ourselves or other people. And if we're not having conversations worth having, we're not creating the world and the life and the organizations we want. And it's really simple. And, and I just want to add, since Sherry brought up the title, Barrett Kohler, our publishers, their mission, which we fell in love with, is bringing knowledge and resources to create worlds that work for everyone. And, you know, he says, I've never done a second title search. And he, he did it for us. <laughs> and he said, it came back even more powerful that this is your title. So we went with it. I think it's an amazing title. And uh, I think, too, it speaks to how many people just they're they're wanting these conversations to occur in their life. And uh, when they hear it, they're like, yeah, I'm not having that. Yes. Um, so what are basically some of these simple little techniques that people can use uh, beyond kind of the, the pause, being tuned? Um, what are the real kind of meets type things that, that would draw somebody to, to be able to do this um, without being like a big wordsmith or, or a bubbly personality? Yeah, there, well, there are only two practices. Um, and it, it, it's, it's very simple, generative questions and positive framing. And 
Jackie, if it's all right, I'll take generative questions mm -hmm. and you can do positive framing. Um, and one of the things that I think makes this so exciting, I, I, I feel like this, this is coming through Jackie and I and anybody else who says yes to it because it's, it is, it puts the power of co-creating the future in every single person's hands. And it's just a matter of asking generative questions and you and talking about what you want instead of what you don't want. So the generative questions are basically asking questions that widen your, your view. They widen what you see. So often we come into our conversations and we've got tunnel vision, our biases, our worldview, what we believe is true, it's right there, and we don't see anything else. And the idea behind generative questions is that when you ask questions like, well, that's the story I made up, but what other possible stories are there? Or you ask the person directly, very often it's like, oh, I was completely wrong on what was going on. And so you're, not only does your worldview open up, um, but you see more of other people, you see more of the possibilities. And generative questions typically fall into one of two categories, or one of four categories. One is they make the invisible visible, like what are your assumptions, what do you believe, um, what knowledge do you have about that? Um, they can create shared understanding. So I ask you more about, you know, how's this going to impact you? Um, what are you thinking? What would you like? What would, what would make you come alive and be happy? Um, what are your ideas? Um, uh, you can generate new knowledge, like how did you do this in your other job? Or, or how do you handle this in your family? Um, what are the ways you've been able to manage um, becoming resilient after your accident? So you're bringing out more information, new knowledge. And then the last one is creating possibilities, the what if or how might we kinds of questions. And these generative, uh. questions, generative questions don't have to be um, like highly complex. And let me just give you a quick example and then I'm gonna toss this over to Jackie. The, um, First time I was introduced to Appreciative Inquiry, I was at a training and Appreciative Inquiry, as Jackie said, is all about, you know, inquiring into the best of what is and what's possible and how we can do things together and co-create the future. And I was in um, a conversation on the last night wine and cheese with the head of a hospital administrator. And he was talking, he was complaining about doctors and how doctors are not team players. They're these prima donnas. And suddenly in the middle of listening to him, I went, wait a minute, we've been in four days of training around focusing on the positive and talking about generative questions. And I thought, I'm going to try out this generative question thing and see if it really works. And so when there was a pause in his conversation, I said, do you have any doctors or physicians that are on board? And his entire being shifted. His shoulders went back, he stood up straight, he got a big smile on his face, his face lit up. And he was off and running. The only thing I heard was, I have 15 of the most amazing doctors on my team. Because after that I was going, holy Toledo, a generative question just changed the entire focus of this conversation. 
changed his entire neurochemistry. This is powerful stuff. And that was a really simple question. So the po- focus, focusing on the positive, Jackie. Yeah. Um, so think of generative questions. Give you when, when we wrote the book, we had like four or five practices in our, in our, again, our editor says you can only have two. And um, I think they're both very powerful. It doesn't matter which one you start with first, positive framing. Sherry talked about generative questions. If you get into the habit of asking generative questions, as the example Sherry gave, it begins to create a positive frame. Uh. And then think about that. You know, and my favorite question is simply asking you, so Dave, tell me what your wishes are. That's one of my favorites. Now, positive framing is... um, We have a real simple technique, but positive framing is talking about more of what you want to see happen, not more of what you don't want to happen and everything that's going wrong. I assure you, people will bring you their problems, their complaints, the conflicts, the issues. And at a point you have to, you name it. And we we call it the flip, name it, flip it, frame it. So let's just take um, high, low performance whether you're low performance in an organization, your team, what's the opposite of low performance? And still look at you and say, well, it's one high performance. Right. So that's, that's the positive opposite of low is high. But you want to keep the conversation moving and say, if our team had high performance, what would this place be like? And, you know, people need a few minutes to think about the frame. And they're like, this place would be highly cohesive, place to work for. We'd have a high performing team. So we began to ask questions about when do we perform well as a team? What does that look like? Where is it happening in other places in our organization? So you're not talking about the problem. You're not even really talking about the positive opposite. You've created this frame that begins to, believe it or not, eclipses the problem and comes up with new ways of a high performing team and you've solved, you know, you created, you co-created solutions. Um, I'm in my university office today, and it's near the end of the semester. And students will say, I have a bad grade. And I'll say, well, what do you want? Well, I want a good grade. Let's talk about the grades. And I'm like, no, if you had a good grade, what's going on in your life? I know how to study. I'm a good student. Well, let's talk about that. So we talk about the habits they need to build so they can flip things around. And that's name it, flip it, frame it. And you've got to really stay, name it clearly, flip it, and then frame it. What do you want more of? Is this the frame we want to talk about? And then you begin to ask generative questions around that frame. I love it. Um, If there's one part of the interview to continually go back to and rewind, uh, that would be it. Wow. Um, So this is with colleagues, coworkers. Well, Thanksgiving just happened and Christmas is about to. So uh, how do you do this with family? Uh, (laughs) It's it can be hard with family because we're we're so wired into the dynamic. Um, And it's actually the first place where people begin to practice. Um, we have more uh, people yes. go through uh, an organizational training and they come back to us, come back to us and say, 
oh my goodness, my son and I are talking for the first time and I can't tell you how long. Or, you know, my partner's going, I know what you're doing, but I, keep it up. I like it. <laughs> um, uh, and so it's that, um, you know, so often I think in a family dynamic, we react out of the past. And it's that, that just getting curious and being able to listen. Um, let me give you an example, because I think this also can speak to, to holidays. Um, a, uh, a woman who went, went through two days of training and in between the first and the second, um, she came back and, and she said, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to my three adult kids in a very long time because every time I call, they're like hurrying to get off the phone. And she said, it's, it's sad for me because, you know, not only am I their mother, but they don't want to listen to me. I have all this wisdom to share. And she said, I realized after the training, they're adults and I really want to hear what's going on in their lives. And so she called, she said, I called each one of them individually. And I talked to every one of them. There were three of them. She said, I talked to each of them for longer than I've talked to them in years. And they were excited and alive telling me what they were doing. And all I did was keep asking generative questions. And each of them at the end of the call said, thanks so much for calling mom. We love you. And she said, they haven't said that in forever either. And so it's this asking questions and talking about, about what brings people alive. And I think this speaks so much to the hearty brain because it's conversations that really um, support our ability to be in our full potential and accessing not the fight or flight, but accessing connection and empathy and and when we can do that in our families, it just creates so much joy. I yeah, love I it. Wow. We've heard for so many years that the best return on investment is with your family and yourself is in, as Sherry said, um, you know, the neuroscience behind this allows even when you're, whether it's your, your kids or your spouse, the creativity, um, they don't even know what emotional intelligence is, but that's what they're showing you now is they're in this connect part of their brain. And so I think if we had a, we have the technology, their whole brain would be lighting up in all the right places. Yeah. It, can, yeah. Let me share just, let me share just one other quick thing that one of, one of the, Definitely. Um, one of the, the men that work with us and it's primarily women, but we love when men, men really take this on and share it in their lives as well. Um, he has, he uses this extensively. His name is Michael Emmert and he has um, five kids and they all know all about this, including his six-year-old, his nine-year-old, all the way up. And he said he was in his office, um, home office one day, and he heard the six-year-old and the nine-year-old and they were arguing over something in the other room. The voices started to get louder and louder and he started to get up and he said, I was just about to get out, walk out of my office. And then there was this silence. And he said, I heard my six-year-old say, I think I need a do-over. <laughs> um, and so even young children get this concept of 
I, I wasn't in charge of that. I, my, my body mindset, my, you know, my reactions were in control of that as opposed to my choosing or being intentional. Um, and he sat back down and he said they worked it out and he carried on and was quite happy. <laughs> nice. Wow, that's yeah. powerful. I can just see a six-year-old looking up and saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're much smarter than we are sometimes. <laughs> oh, and so more willing to just drop the past and move on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not quite wow. so fixed in their brain yet. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had experiences that, as you're listening to us, have you had experiences where you're like, oh, that's exactly what was going on in this conversation with a family member? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And the second you mentioned do-over, several things came to my mind, of course. Um, but I do love the, the aspect of, yeah, just being curious about what's going on now and, and ignoring all the past baggage and and seeing yeah. if there is actually something that, that is, is happening in their lives that's exciting. Um, too often it's that small talk, how you doing? And when you don't get a response, then it's stonewalled or you feel that way. Um, but if you just simply ask a little bit better of a question, I, I think you'll get better answers. Uh, am I kind of on the right track with that? Yeah, I think so. And I think also that, um, Sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what to ask. Um, right. If you stand back and you just get curious, what don't I know? Or you look at the way someone is dressed for the day and you're like, huh, how come you're wearing that shirt? I haven't seen you in that shirt for a while. Or, um, you know, all of a sudden noticing instead of just reacting, you notice like you look pretty dressed up today. What's going on at school or at work? Um uh just notice more get curious about the people um in your life lives instead of it's so easy to assume because it's a shortcut i do it all the time right wow now building on what what you both have been saying um is okay well what do you wish for kind of in the now that's building the future for where you two are going. Well, I think I wish um, everybody would, it's simple, learn to tune in and try these two practices to create conversations worth having because the science is behind this. It's good for your heart. It's good for your mind. It's great for your um, relationships. It builds trust. And and we have in the book, it's, it's our disclaimer, and it's on page 159. Even Sherry and I have those ain't it awful conversations. You're all human. You will go below the line. The question is, is how quick can you get back up? And this right. tuning in and learning these practices, my, that's what I wish people would, would just start practicing. You know, so we could really have as the Barrett Kohler mission environments, a world that works for all. Wow. And you're definitely leading that. So thank you, Jackie. Yes. All yeah. right. And how about yourself, Sherry? 
Um, <clears throat> mine is very similar. I, um, I think the only thing standing between us and a world that does work for everyone and that is full of creativity and innovation and connection to nature and wholeness are the conversations we're having at every level. Um, and every single person has the power in their own circles of influence to change those conversations. And so my wish is for people to recognize they do have the power to change the world, starting small in their own circle, um, in their families and in their workplace and in their own heads. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big one time. right there. Wow. The biggie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh well where do what are some of the programs you guys are running and where do people find out more information about them then so they can have and lead these conversations in a positive well, beautiful direction so one top of the mind because you mentioned the holidays coming up we have this program we do several times a year it's called monday kickstarters so it's on a monday and we have on december 4th and december 11th two of our certified trainers um so that wake and kelly stewart and what they do in 30 minutes from noon to 12 30 eastern time is people come in and they practice it and they and they bring their problems so they get to um practice the name it, flip it, frame it, and they get to practice asking generative questions. And then we write them up in our blog and you can get all this information on our website, which is um, you can get to our website in two ways. One way is cwh.today, or you can spell out conversations worth having today. The CWH today will get you there quicker. Sure. And that just to, to add to that, the Monday Kickstarters, the focus is on holiday conversations with family. Um, and so it really is this opportunity to say, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be having Christmas dinner with this person, this person and this person. And I want it to go well. And it's probably not. How do I how can I frame the conversation? So um, and if you if you it's free, our Monday Kickstarters are few, free, we offer learning labs every month for people to learn and practice. Um, but we have training, our blogs, our um, articles that we've written. The, there's a whole lot of free stuff on our website. Um, and then if somebody gets really excited and they want to go deeper, we offer training and we offer certification so people can train other people as well. And we and, want yeah. this to go way broad in the world. So. And we can even put this podcast on the website, Dave. Yes, yeah, wow. we will. Up there. <laughs> well, you, both of you, uh, thank you for your time, your knowledge, your wisdom, and your insight on this. And I can tell with conversations, you really are influencing every moment of someone's lives. So thank you very much. And thank definitely you. check them out, Conversations Worth Having. And stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care.